Hey, Paul. Hey, Fab. How's it going? Good yourself? Good. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm somewhat excited about this show. I've been thinking about oh, it for right. a while. So uh, I'm happy that we, we yeah. finally get to, to talk about it. So obviously, for anybody who's been listening to this show for a while, or even if they've just kind of hopped in, you know, we've talked a lot about, about a lot of different things in the world of sales, um, in the world of sales and sales performance and trying to help sales leaders uh, improve their teams. Um, but I, I felt we're getting to a point where, um, and I'm, I'm hoping this topic comes up uh, regularly, but where, you know, there's a lot of information out there, right? There's a lot of things a sales leader can do to quote unquote improve results. And there's stuff that they don't like, like their salespeople, there's things that they don't control and there's things that they do control, you know, like things that they don't control, the overall market, uh, other groups within the organization, right? Like if, if you, if you're delivering a product and the uh, development, you know, the, the manufacturing team doesn't increase capability, then, you know, your sales get hindered, uh, company leadership, priorities and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff you don't uh, directly impact, but there's a lot of stuff that you do. Um, and I feel it can get overwhelming for a sales leader, whether they're listening to this show or, or just going online and, or going to conferences or whatever. There's a lot of things you can do to improve the, the, the success of your sales team. So, I wanted today to get your opinion and obviously like share my, my, my expertise on what do you need to do to prioritize, like what do you need to prioritize uh, to get results, right? Because otherwise it just feels like throwing spaghetti to the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Like, oh, maybe we'll do a CRM or maybe we'll reform the sales process or we'll change the team or, but it's all disjointed, right? And, and at the end, what I've seen when, when sales teams Take that approach is like at the end of the day, nothing works, right? Because it's all kind of half done. Um, so, in your well, well, I get I'll I'll pass the buck to you. <laughs> I guess what? What do you? What do you well, see this conversation? You set the table with all this, and and you, and you're right. So the priorities really. The first thing you have to do is have the right mindset. I would say, and and so quickly, the right mindset is you can't force anyone to do anything but you can discover what motivates them and understand what drives them so that you can add the proper fuel to the fire, we'll say. Uh, yeah. So I, I just want, I want to preface it with that because um, the stick doesn't really work unless you're using the stick on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, or, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I want to, I, I agree with you. That, yeah. yeah, no, but that's a good preference. And, preface sorry and, and we will get in more tactical stuff in a, in a second but you know like and, and i keep bringing this this book uh back regularly like in in the inner game of tennis right which is like a, a well-known tennis coach and, and and whatnot and you know in there there's there's like a part that really stood out to me which is like you can't force a tennis player to improve a certain part of their game right like if the tennis player doesn't feel they have a problem or wants to tackle that problem it's not going to happen and it's the same thing there, right? Like if, if your salesperson doesn't feel their CRM is the problem, revamping your CRM is not going to do anything, right? Like you have to tackle what the person and, and, and the team and even the executive team, almost sometimes even more importantly, the executive team feel is the priority. Um, so yeah, I think that's a key. To me, that's a, that's the a key first step or step zero, if you want. Like that's the groundwork is like you need to review your mindset, make realize that you're not going to be able to force anything. 
down anybody's throat, really. Yep. Yeah, I, I 100 percent. Uh, if you don't have the buy in, it's not going to happen. So and you're right up and down. Um, you know, if you're a sales leader, usually you get the buy in from the up because you're not needing to change their behavior. Hopefully not, or else it's a much harder task. But yeah. to try to increase to try to improve behavior of your uh, I don't want to say subordinates, but of the people that report to you, your, your, team, yeah. your team. Thank you, your team. I sound like a dictator when I say that. But anyways, um, your minions. Your minions. <laughs> your minions. <laughs> so, and, and there, um, I think there's some steps. So let's say you're a new leader. We talked about this but offline a little bit. So let's say you're a new leader. You're coming into a new team. You've been hired and you know you need to figure out what's going on. To me, you know, the so we said before, I think there's one, two, three, four, five steps. And the first step is an assessment. You're coming in, you got to assess what's going on. You can't just come in and they're barking orders. And right. in that assessment, like we were saying before, is you know, you're looking at sales talent, um, you're looking at their desire, you're looking at their expertise of the product they're selling, uh, you're looking process-wise, you're looking at the sales process, you're looking at the CRM. Um, you know, we've talked about this a million times, you and I, but is there, C is the CRM actually a sales assistant or is it some clunky thing? Is it a ball and chain? Um, and, and, you know, do you have a playbook? So you're, you're, you're assessing all this and you're assessing the team. Like, can they sell? Can they not sell? What's the structure? Uh, who are the clients? You know, you're, you're taking the time to, so that's step number one, you know, just step back, look at it and what's really going on. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's step number one. Um, yeah, I'd say, sorry, uh, were you saying something, sir? No, I mean, you're right. Like that, that's what you need, you know, that's, that's definitely your first step. You need to understand the lay of the line. Cause if, if the idea here that we're discussing is that there's a lot of things you need to do, you kind of have to get an idea of how all the key parts of a sales organization are functioning. Right. So if you have a lot of talent, but the desire is low, like, well, that's, that's one thing that you'll need to tackle or, if your desire and expertise are high, but the talent's low, then then there's something to do there. Or if there's no real sales process and people are just doing whatever they think is makes sense. Or like you said, if your CRM is just like a, a place where there's a whole bunch of contacts and and just a mess and a disaster and half the deals aren't even recorded and uh, or, or vice versa, right? If it's just a burden, right? Like there's like 67 yep. things to do for every step of the way. Like it's just, it's, it, it's a burden. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, assessment assessment is definitely key. And I mean, there's maybe others in there as well, right? Like a, uh, you know, you, we had talked about online like operation operate, uh, operationalizing, operationalizing, right? Like how beyond your CRM, like how does sales work? Like where are they getting leads from? Yeah. You know, I've been yeah. I've been for one, for example, speaking to a lot of sales team and prospecting for a lot of people is a challenge. Not yeah, because yeah, they don't know where to find the prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's part know, of your like, assessment. How do you prospect? How's it happening? How do you how, how do you operationalize that? How, is how it, do you enter contacts in the CRM? Right, like yeah. a lot of CRMs. I mean, HubSpot. I'm thinking of obviously is you know everything is based off of an email address. But you know when you're prospecting and you're on LinkedIn, you don't always have somebody's email address, yeah. right? But but you want to record that activity because you want yeah. to be able to tell your boss like I've been. Doing there we're things. really we're really getting into the weeds, but yeah, all of that stuff. I mean, it's huge, right? Yeah, so, yeah. As you come in, you, you need to assess all this stuff, you know, uh, you know, tactically speaking, uh, the, the talent, you know, the soft skills, 
uh, the expertise, and then the process, everything that's wrapped around recording, CRM, uh, marketing, prospecting, all that. So, so you're, you're assessing all that. And then mm -hmm. what you're doing when you're assessing all that, then you're analyzing. You're saying, okay, I'm analyzing all this. What does it mean? Where are the gaps, you know? Um, yeah. where, where are the things that we, we want to make? So if your gaps are in your sales process, and you, you, you can attest this way more than I do, but most people's CRMs or their use of their CRMs suck. <laughs> so there's usually, you know, that's why you have a job and you're doing quite well. So, um, so obviously there, there's a lot going there. And then the sales expertise, well, that belongs, sorry, the, the, the product expertise that belongs to the company, you know, it's not for an outside, it's not for your sales manager to educate your team, usually on the expertise of the product. So, you know, if I take, for example, pharmaceutical products, you have experts internally that teach the people about the product. And that's very important, of course. And then you have the sales expertise, you know, as a sales manager, that's where you come in and you can really help your team move forward. So when you're analyzing all these things, you got to say, okay, where can I make a difference as a sales manager? But really what you can do is where can I light the fire under the asses of my team for them to do the right things to make them move forward? So you do that analysis and then you create some kind of plan. That's awesome. And what most sales leaders do is they then they bark the plan out to their team, activate, you know, but there's yeah. a really important step there. So wait, can we just, before we get back to the plan two seconds, I just have a, like, we kind of skimmed over analysis here, but um, okay. what, what does that entail? And I realize there's like, Obviously, analysis well, fast, let me, and all that is. Let me go through but... all the steps and then okay. we'll come back to analysis and go much more in depth. So then, uh, and enough. I agree with you, like we just skimmed over, but we'll come back to it. We'll go more in depth there. So, but once you have that plan, you necessarily need to get the buy in from the team because yeah. as a sales manager, a good leader doesn't do stuff for his team. He doesn't, sorry, he doesn't do the activities for his team. He gets them motivated to do what they need to do to get there so you need to right. get that buy-in your team needs to be bought into what they need to do because let's face it if you have eight reps reporting to you you can't be on the field with them every day all the time making sure they're doing the right thing so they have to want to do the right thing and if they are not doing the right thing they have to want to learn to do the right thing or or, or be be motivated to do the right thing so you need to get mm -hmm. their buy-in and we'll talk a lot more about that and then then once you have the buy-in activate you know yeah, uh, move forward. So now let's. And I would add, a, I would add a last stage, which is because oh, sure. that's that's usually the part that I see, uh, and that's the stage that nobody wants to do because it, it's it's um, it's realizing that revamping a sales team is a process and not a project, right? It's not something that you do one time and it's done, yeah. and yeah. so you activate it. But then you need to find a way to track and to review and to iterate, right? Like because it's not like, okay, well, expertise is is our main thing, so we'll get product to come and train the team, and boom, we're done, right? Like it's something that you need to, yeah. to track, like how often, like how are we going to determine whether this team has expertise and blah 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 blah, right? Or how are we going to determine that our new CRM is now working, or how are we determining that yeah. we've operationalized the key elements that we're lacking operationalization. <laughs> Um, that that to me is like the critical step that full transparency nobody wants to do right nobody nobody wants to be like well now I'm going to spend x thousands of dollars a month to just iterate and track and, and review I I want it to be oh, done you're, right you're, you're totally right Fab people think okay we activate this everyone's going to know what to do and then that's it and, and you're right part of activation is 
having something that is sustainable and continuous. That's what you're talking yeah. about. You know, a, yeah. and that's called a process. So activate then, you know, because part of your plan is to see what the process is going to be. And then you're activating that process. You're making sure yeah. it's going to happen and continue happening. Because you're yeah. right. It's not about, um, and I was talking about this about you with you a little bit earlier online before you got on, talking about David Goggins. It's not, oh, I'm going to do this once, it's going to happen. You got to keep doing it. It's going to keep being hard, but you have to want it to be hard. And, and yeah. you know, just keep moving forward, uh, you know, when he's talking about training and whatever, whatnot, and trying yeah. to be your best. You know, no one else can motivate you. But if you have a process that works, well, that process works every day. It doesn't just yeah. work once and then you, we forget about it like, uh, you know, some magic training once a year and then everyone goes out and does the right thing. No, I mean, you know, we bring up because we both we both kind of exercise, uh, you know, we so we bring out working out a lot. Right. It's not by doing one intense training a year that you become fit. Right. It's, it's better to go work out even 15 minutes every day. Uh, you'll get better results at the end of the year than if you just like pack it in. We'll do like one, two hour intense training. Yeah on January 1st and we'll be good until next January. Yeah. Yeah. That just doesn't work. Right. Well, so it's the mini, same thing there. Mini parentheses there. <laughs> I, was, uh, I listened to podcasts and I, I don't mind doing a shout out to him because I think he's a brilliant guy, a guy called um, Andrew Huberman who does Huberman Labs. Everybody knows. Everybody yeah. Everyone knows it. You know, <laughs> he was, and, a, he was a speaker at last year's inbound. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, yeah. and he talks about the, I think it's called the anterior lateral cortex which is a small okay. part of your brain and that small, small part of your brain. Uh, they've done tests, people who live a long time, whatnot. It's quite big. And what it is, is that it's, it's kind of strange. They figured out that when you do things that you know are good for you, but you don't feel like doing that part of your brain gets bigger and you get better at it. So mm -hmm. if you're an athlete who, you know, does a grueling training every day, but you, you don't feel like it when you get up, but you just do it anyways. Well, that part of your brain will increase. And he even, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, this is him saying, but he says that it tends to be smaller in obese people and it tends to be bigger in athletes. It tends to be bigger in people who live a long time. So it's not about doing something you like. And often in sales, there's a lot of stuff you have to do that you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, filling in your CRM, uh, <laughs> you know, doing cold calls, uh, you know, on a rainy day or going to knock on doors. So th this is, you know, part of sales is doing these things. So um, anyways, that's the parentheses. It's yeah. great and it helps you get to do the right thing. So sometimes you don't feel like working out, you get up in the morning, but you go and you get used to it. It becomes a habit. You just do it. And, and yeah. part of sales is like that. And the reward is, hey, you'll get a big commission check at the end of the month because you work your ass off. But getting there is tough. It's like it's like climbing. It's like climbing a wet mountain uh, in the Rockies. Uh uh, with not not enough uh, gear on sometimes, you know, and, and yeah. it's not always easy. But once you get to the top, you're happy you did it. And the more you do that, the more you feed that little part of your brain that says, hey, I'm going to do things I don't like because it's rewarding in the end and it's good for me, you know. Yeah. So anyways, close the parentheses. Back to our conversation. <laughs> as a new salesperson, when you're doing the analysis, uh, sorry, as a new sales leader, when you're doing yeah. the analysis, you bring the expertise. If it's a new job, you bring the expertise. Hopefully, you know what the gaps are that you're, you see. And yeah. once you've done that analysis, then you start formulating your plan, your plan mm -hmm. that you will eventually activate to create into a process. But that buy-in part is huge. And that's, yeah. that's psychology. That's human nature, how you're going to get those people to say, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do the hard stuff and get there. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So to me, like when we're doing the analysis, you know, it doesn't have to be like a a steadfast scientific process, but it's gotta be, there's gotta be some, some data to it. Right. So sales talent, is not just like, oh, well, you know, Mike doesn't know what's, what's going on here. Like he's great, a shitty salesperson, but you know, like Mary's amazing. Like there has to be some, some quantification there. Right. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you, but I'll push even further. I think it has to be based on pre-established things. So if you just go in there right. and all willy-nilly and I think this and I think that's not going to work, you do have right. to have capability of measuring th- certain things. So yeah, like so how do you measure talent? How do you yeah. measure desire, expertise, sales process, operations? Yeah, do they know how to overcome objections? Like all these things. Yeah. Like you, you, when we're talking about the individuals, you want to go really in depth to try to figure out you know, if you're looking at the, do they have an introduction? Do they know how to run a discovery call? Do they know how to confirm what they've discovered? Do they know how to present? You you need to be very specific about what you're analyzing. I I, I would push what you're saying. It can't be willy nilly at all. And you no. have to base it on real data, a hundred percent. You you've got to know. Yeah, because otherwise your analysis will get clouded with 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 subjective opinion Absolutely. that you'll hear left, right, and center, yeah. or you know. Paul was having a bad day because, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, his car got stolen that morning. And so, yeah, obviously his his uh, his one-on-one with you where you're quote-unquote evaluating is not going to go well, right? But if you have this scientific approach to it and you have like specific things that you want to evaluate, those will come out a bit more yeah. Uh, yeah. or better, sorry, if, uh, if you have the scientific approach. So, uh, you know, in, as part of your assessment, it would be how am I going to determine who, who has sales sound versus yeah. who doesn't, or who has desire versus who doesn't, who has expertise versus who doesn't. And, yep. you know, obviously you're, you're a consultant. I know you have some assessments for some of the things. Some of the things there's less assessments available, like expertise, because every company sells different things. Um, so, you know, expertise, you expertise might maybe sit with the product probably, team or the, de- the development team. Expertise is probably the easiest thing, Fab, because... As a company, you know what your people need to know. So that's probably easier to assess because you can just ask. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying that it's like it's, you know, you probably need to sit with your your dev team if you're selling a software or your um, your, you know, production production team if you're if you're manufacturing something to exactly to get it because. Again, I'm taking the hat that this I'm a new sales leader, right? I don't know much about this company yet. Okay. Uh, And I would sit down and be like, well, what are the things that my salespeople need to know about? my product or my service and then you can measure them your sales team against against those criteria that you're yep. so when you're talking about expertise or sales process i mean you have experience or, or you work with somebody like you operation op, operationalizing things you know it's like understanding each part of the process and from from beginning to end and i would argue sales process and operation operation oh man I'm struggling today um you know, should go, depending on your business, should go beyond the sale, right? Like how, what's happening after a sale is done. Yeah. I mean, are the clients that my people yeah. are selling yeah. staying with the company, right? Yeah. Are they happy with the company? Yeah. Because that has a huge impact on revenue. Um, CRM, you know, what are the criteria that I'm going to evaluate my CRM on, right? Like, is it, is it being used? Can I get insights out of it? You know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, so I think when you're doing the assessment, you need to have a good framework for assessing. It's not just, ah, okay, Paul, what's up? How's it going? You know, let's chit chat, talk about, you know, how, yeah, so how are sales going? Good, good. All right, cool. Well, Paul seems like he knows what he's doing. Um, I don't, I don't think that that would work. 
I, I, I agree with you. And there, there's a lot, you know, we boil it down to a few simple things, but I, I remember when I, the best advice I ever got um, when I became a VP uh, with one of the big corporations is um, my boss at the time, who was the um, whatever, chief sales officer for big uh, media, uh, uh, sorry, telecom and media corporation uh, said to me, you know, I want you for the first 60 days to just observe. And mm. that was probably the best piece of advice I ever got because it put me in a state of saying, okay, let's see what's going on here. And you really do, you really do need to observe before you make decisions. If you just come in with a bunch of preconceived notions, you know, like, you know, this guy's, you know, you're told by your boss, this guy's a slacker, that guy's like, we gotta get rid of this guy, that guy, that guy. And you're like, okay, you know, and then you walk in, you know, you need to make your, they need to be your opinions. And, and that's a big and an important part of the assessment. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you, that story reminds me, I was listening to a bunch, well, this was a little while ago. I was listening to a podcast with, uh, and they were interviewing HubSpot's first chief marketing. This is a marketing example, but the, the, the conclusion is the yeah. same is, and they were like, what's, you know, what's the worst thing that a new chief marketing officer at a company or a marketing leader at a marketing at a company can do. And it's like, yeah, just don't be the marketing leader that just revamps the website. Like that's the first thing, <laughs> you know, right. Cause you've never taken time to actually understand where the problems were. It's just website is very visual. Like it's very obvious that you've done something new and this is exactly the same thing. Don't just go in and well, I like using Salesforce. So we're going to rip out whatever CRM we have and we're going to put in Salesforce. Um, it's it's really taking the time to observe. Yes, you want to showcase your value early on, but observe. Don't come in with re, with preconceived ideas. I agree. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and it's it's very very important. Um, so again, I'm happy you agree. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting, Fab, and and all these steps are very, um, in a way, are. It's fun because you can control most of them. I would say uh, four of these five steps are personally driven. So, you know, analysis, assessment, plan, activate. That's very much um, driven by the individual. You control them and that's easy. But the most important phase, <laughs> you know, if we had to put percentages of what's going to make this happen, you know, I'd put like at 1% assessment, 1% uh, uh, analysis, 1% plan, 1% activate and I'd put 95% buy-in, um, yeah. you know, and then 1% to chance. Oh, Why? Yeah. Because if you don't get the buy-in, uh, you know, I don't swear a lot on our podcast, but fuck, it's not going to work. <laughs> you know why? Because you don't get the buy-in. You, you can't do it all yourself. So then it, it won't, it just won't work. And, and, and right. that's super important to get that buy-in and to get the buy-in. If you can't get the buy-in, then as a sales manager, you need to make a decision. Do we fire these people <laughs> or, you know, are we going to look at, relook at what we're doing? And that's an assessment that's in your personal assessment, but you have to get the buy-in because if your team doesn't want or believe in what you're doing, you're either the wrong sales manager or you have the wrong team. Those are your two options. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people, um, some managers have a hard time uh, making that happen. And yeah. 
you know, that's personality, that's human nature. It's all the qualities that we have as a human being uh, that are uh, subjective and, <laughs> and squishy and mushy that you have to put into application. And, and but it's it basically it's psychology, uh, whether it's Freudian, Jungian or whatever more modern, you need to apply the psychology of a sales manager to be able to get that buy in. And that's yeah. what you know. That's what we talk. That's what you and I have been talking about for years. And it's that's about connecting with your team, as you do with a client, to understand their motivation. And you connect into the fire to say, do you have, do you have the fire to have success? And do you have do you have the fire to be part of the team that's going to make us have success here? So mm. these five steps are all, they're all important. Like if you don't do the assessment and the analysis, the plan and the activation, your buy-in is going to be useless. You know, and mm -hmm. I'm exaggerating a little bit on percentages, but you know, you need to do all five of these steps because if you forget one of them, then, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got the buy-in of your team, if you've got a shitty plan, it's, it's not getting. Yeah. Up. But I would say like, it's almost better to have a shitty plan and buy-in that you then iterate and change Right. And be like, OK, well, you know what? We realized that our plan was wonky, but the only way we know that is because we we had buy in. So people were willing to execute on it and we we tracked, reviewed and iterated. So yeah. we're able to change and adapt. Right. Like because you're right. I mean, obviously, you want to the best plan is it's better to have plan. a good plan. <laughs> but I'm just saying if I had to choose between a good plan and no buy-in and buy-in and a, and a mediocre plan, I'd rather take the buy-in and the mediocre plan. At least we're moving forward and trying stuff and we're moving yeah. forward than having a plan that just stays out, stays in a drawer somewhere and end up quitting in frustration yeah. six months down the line or, or whatever, you know? Just because I'm argumentative today, I would say to you that if you have a mediocre plan with the buy-in, what you're saying is better to have to a certain extent, some form of unconditional buy-in, which is rare, but let's say you have that, they just follow yeah. you and believe in you. Um, a mediocre plan or, or, or a plan that's not perfect at least moves in the right direction. Whereas if you have a perfect plan, I think what you're saying, and you have no buy-in, well, then you're just not going to get activated. So I hear you. Um, I hear you, but they're both important, right? So Yeah, of course. Um, of course. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not delusional. You're not proning a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, let's say you're doing your assessment and you you believe expertise is your biggest challenge at the moment and the reps believe it. Yes, we didn't have a great onboarding. We don't really know what we're selling. And, and you build a plan to build that expertise and you track and review it and realize, you know what? Expertise hasn't really moved the needle, right? There, there's a challenge somewhere else that we didn't observe uh, I think that'll go a longer way than saying, you know what, the problem is uh, sales process. Our sales process is yeah. just, there's none, right? It was just invented yeah. by salespeople along the way. And then your sales team is like, no, like I'm not, this is great. It's working for me. I'm not changing that. And then you try to fit in a new sales process down their throat. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to change either. The only thing that's going to happen is that you'll get fired or the whole team will get fired and you have to rebuild, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, no, might be a good thing, but still. <laughs> no, it, it's, um, it's true. And, you know, having lived through this a few times and being, uh, being a consultant, um, <clears throat> often, often, you know, if, if I was, you know, and, and I don't want to put, I don't want to paint everyone in the same uh, brush, but often 
what I see is that there's a lot of expertise on the product and it falls apart in that there's a bad plan and they don't work enough on helping people get better with their sales skills. And mm. also they don't connect, they don't get the buy-in, you know, it's more like do it this way or you're fired. And, and it's their prerogative, but um, if you really want to move the needle, you have to, you have to really think about that. You know, you have your sales manager or your sales leader or your VP sales or whoever it is, is leading whatever team it is, whether it's a VP sales, that's leading a bunch of sales directors or a bunch of sales directors, leading sales managers or sales manager leading reps. They all have to be, um, I don't want to say inspiring, but they all have to inspire the desire of the people on their team to want to do a good job. Um, yeah. And, and that's important. Yeah, of course. And I mean, like we said before, the get, you know, the outset is like every team is different. Every company is different. You know, I work with a lot of startups where, where sometimes there's no onboarding. And so, yeah, I've seen reps that just know nothing about the product, right? Because yeah. you just, you know, there's no process. There's no operationalization. So their training is, hey, Paul, welcome to the team. Like, uh, here's a list of cold leads. You know, like we kind of sell this yeah. software that does ABC and like go for it. Uh, but you know, you could be working with a more, much more established company where there's a lot of product expertise and no sales training yeah. in terms of sales skills training. So you're, that's where the assessment is so critical because, and you could have both, right? Like in my example of this hypothetical startup, there could be no sales skill training, no expertise, but just like a high desire, right? Like these, these are young, young yeah. bucks that want to receive, that want to succeed, excuse me. Um, so that you know, like, okay, well, maybe my priorities are sales skill and expertise, right? This is what we're going to prioritize. This is my plan. Um, whatever, you know, so that's where the assessment is so important because yeah. every yeah. company is different. Um, or sometimes your product is just so complex and the it's not that your sales team needs expertise. They just need to work better with, an episode we did a long, long time ago with a sales engineer, right? And so yeah. maybe it's like, how do we work with, you know, like there's so many variables out there, um, but that's where your assessment is so critical. Uh, absolutely, you know, and and if we come back to the assessment, um, you know, whatever it is that you prefer, you need, I, I, I believe in psychometric assessments to understand the individual. Now, I don't believe that they're the be all end all, but if you look at that, at least it's a starting point as a discussion. I think you should be doing a hardcore sales assessment to see what their values and what their knowledge and sales is. And you should have some form of internal expertise assessment, which you create based on what it is that they need to know. Because if they understand themselves as a human being, if they understand what their sales skills are and they understand their product, well, at least then you're, you know, you've got something to work on to understand. And that should be part of your your assessment. And then from there in your analysis, well, how do these things work together with the individual? How does the team work? What are the processes we want to put in part? That's all part of your analysis. Then creating your plan with what's there, buy in and then activate, you know, it just boils down to that. Now we've talked a lot about the different stages and honestly, one thing we haven't talked about is, and let's talk about it quickly, is what are the qualities that the sales leader should have? Well, he or she should for sure be someone who is willing to take on the tasks of what's at hand, right? What are our yeah. expectations? Are we hiring a VP? Are we looking for someone to be creative? Are we looking for a, a director level person or someone who's going to execute the VP strategy, still have some creativity? Or are we looking for a sales manager who's really, you know, like a sergeant in the field, helping people do the right thing? So 
but at all these levels, you need to, every one of those people, no matter what level you're at, needs to have the capacity to have that buy-in and understand what it is tactically, uh, sorry, um, concretely, not tactically, but concretely know what it is that, where the risks are, where the gaps are, where the weaknesses are, and where the strengths are, and how to make that move forward. You're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like it all rests, it, a lot of this rests on the sales leader's capabilities, right? Like at the end of the day, like you've, you've mentioned it. Um, and so understanding yourself as a sales leader, or if you're the person hiring the sales leader, understanding what needs to be required. And it's not, you know, unfortunately, like the sales leader is often the most performance salesperson, uh, which, which, I'd argue more often than not doesn't work, right? Because in the same way that we undertrain salespeople and their sales skills, we undertrain sales leaders and leadership skills, uh, which is very different, right? Like a sales leader uh, skills and day-to-day job is a hundred percent different than than what they were used to in the field, quote unquote. You know, even if it's if yeah. in the field is Zoom calls all day, but. Um, you're right. Like that's 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 a critical component. Also, yeah, you're right. And and this is very anecdotal. But what I've noticed um, in in the people that I've worked with over the last uh, whatever you know, I've been in sales forever, in the last thirty years, is that there is one type of sales performer that does really well um, in sales management, and that's the sales performer who was very consultative who consultative, however you say it, the person who took the time to understand their clients, who asked questions, who, who, who took the time to understand the motivation, because that type of sales performer, that type of sales performer, if you apply the same method <laughs> to your sales team and you discover what it is that drives them, and then you give them or not give them, but you help them see the path to their own success usually has success because then they start seeing their sales team as prospects and clients who they have to help move forward. And mm. um, so, so there is now, if we're talking about yeah. the whole wolf who goes they there, just have to be able to flip their mindset so that we're applying these skills. Cause, cause what I've seen is also like, you're either great at being consultative and stuff like that, but they have a hard time applying those skills yeah. to managing a team, right? That's because they right? don't, the, the people who have a hard time doing that are the ones that I'm a natural, they're lone wolves. They go out, yeah. they, sell, they know, and they don't really know how they're doing it. So then it's hard for them to show someone else how they do it. Cause they're Fair like, enough. I don't know. You know, I, I was <laughs> talking to some guy last week. I said, why do you think you do so? Well? I don't know, you know, but he's good. <laughs> or he, the guy in this case, he's really good at what he does, but he doesn't know why. Well, that's kind of hard. You don't necessarily want to put that person in, in, in the, in charge of other salespeople. Cause what's he going to do? He can go on the road with them and do it, but then he can't describe it or analyze it. So, so uh, yeah. Um, I like this. Uh, this is a good one. Is there anything else we want to add or we want to wrap it up? No, I think the only thing I'd wrap up is saying, we said earlier that, you know, you shouldn't come in with preconceived ideas. I think the only preconceived idea should be to just, Switch your CRM to HubSpot. I think that. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you are, um, but uh, I just have to say that. Um, I wonder why you say that, Fabrice. <laughs> but no, I think this was good. I think uh, you know the, the takeaways are there. There's you know seven steps if you separate um, 
if you separate decision and um, or plan and buy-in, and if you add in the first step, which was just being aware that you can't force anything down everybody's throat, there's these seven steps, is, is taking that first step, accepting that you can't force anything down the throat, assess all the elements of a sales department and group and functioning, uh, analyze them all, plan them, get the buy-in, activate, and most, well, almost second most importantly after buy-in, is track review and iterate it's not it's not an ongoing project, right? process yeah it's you yeah. is this is not a project it's a process and that's your role as a sales leader that's what you get paid every two weeks is to be there constantly and to review and to improve and to iterate if you think of it this is a one shot i need to train them on sales skills and we'll get paul to come in for for a couple of weeks and, and train them and then leave yeah, it's it's not going to work. It might leave temp it work temporarily, but that's part that's a, that's part one or phase one. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and unless your project is a lifelong process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. The, a project with no end. Exactly. All right, Paul. This has been good. This yeah. has been fun. I really enjoyed it. So uh, did I. Thanks, for, thanks everybody. We'll talk to you soon enough. Merci beaucoup. Have a good one, everyone.